0: I want you to stop recording me. I want you to take the app off my phone. I do not want to be your answering machine anymore.
1: Okay, I'll take it off. I'm
0: take it off now. I'm doing
1: that. Okay. I'm,
0: All right, fine. do it now. It's do off it. the phone. It's okay. off the phone.
1: I wonder what the people of Reddit will think about this situation. Am I
2: the asshole for talking to my wife when she's not around? I got my wife a job where she records voice lines to be used in an AI assistant that I designed. I have bad panic attacks and usually need her help for me to calm down. Recently, I've been using her voice lines for this purpose, when she's not around. And this has made her very upset. Am I the asshole? I'm sure the internet will take my side on this.
1: Welcome to Off the Film Path. Here we review and discuss movies that, for better or for worse, are less known to the general public. Today we are discussing 2016's Operator. I'm Kyle. And I'm Sophia. And we have a
2: guest with us today.
0: Ben Shapiro, as it turns out. <laughs>
2: a poor, a very bad Ben Shapiro. <laughs> knockoff. Hi, I'm Jared. Kyle's friend. Hello, Jarrett. Hi, Jarrett. Jarrett, as I'm sure you're well
1: aware we ask all our guests if they have any qualifications to talk about movies which you certainly don't need any but it's fun to know so do
2: i have any qualifications absolutely not excellent perfect i have barely two working eyeballs and very poor ears so that's my only qualification
0: <laughs> well honestly that that's my lane so cool <laughs> no i i don't i don't mind having other you know folks who who have you know broad Range of knowledge on things, I, I love it, and that's why we have Kyle on. No, I yeah, just know about movies. That's why. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> that's because I'll do the grunt work.
0: That's true, Kyle. <laughs> yeah. Kyle is, you know, why this thing happens. <laughs> so, how do we want to start? Do we want to do just a real short gist of the movie? Talk about <sighs> large overall. Things? So, last time you described this movie as off-branded her yeah so i can see where you got that view and that is a plot device in here but this movie is not about the robot or the people we'll get there did
1: i
2: not tell you that i've not actually seen her that makes a lot more sense that you would describe this
0: movie as off-brand her than (laughs) yep that's that 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 tracks that tracks (laughs) 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 that's news to me Kyle, but uh Oh no. That that does make a lot more sense now. Jarrett, you have any any observations about this before we get into it?
2: My first observation is I think I think on IMBD at least this, this movie is improperly tagged because the tags are comedy and drama. Mm-hmm. I think they should have added psychological horror <laughs> to this. <laughs> because as we'll get in later there are some like Weird, like, Hitchcock scenes, I feel like,
0: just that just kind of, like, destroy the flow. But, yeah. I hate dramedies because I go in every time, like an Alzheimer's patient, expecting a comedy. Uh Uh-huh. And then it's not. They have a comedian come on, and that counts as comedy, I guess. Anyway, this movie was not funny. Was it supposed to be a comedy
2: because it takes place... Like, like a quarter of it takes place in a comedy store. Like, <laughs> like is that why it's a comedy?
0: Oh no! Oh, <laughs> you think the neo futurist is an improv thing? No, it, it, it's like it's like
2: a it's like an avant garde theater. It is like, avant garde.
0: <laughs> yeah, we'll get into the goddamn neo futurists. Don't you <laughs> worry. Uh,
2: there's a
1: sketch thing I've seen on YouTube called like the trailer to every Oscar award winning movie ever. Mm-hmm. And the very end of it has them, like, sitting around a table playing cards, and they say, laugh, 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 laugh. It's, like, <gasps> it, it's not going to be a completely serious movie, because we laughed in no. that scene. And it's like, that's, <laughs> that's why this is a comedy. Hmm.
0: Well, I also thought maybe the scene where everybody was ignoring her in the recording booth might have, like, qualified as mildly oh, yeah, amusing. Oh,
2: and Greg is, like, in the background, like, doing, like, jumping jacks or something. <laughs>
0: We'll get, okay, we, we're we not in the synopsis <laughs> yet, but like, Kyle.
1: Did you know that Nat Faxon, who plays Greg, voices mm-hmm. Elfo on Disenchantment? I did
0: know that. I did not. And I like Nat Faxon, by the way. I love Nat Faxon. He's, he's hilarious.
1: Yeah. But the stars of our movie are Martin Starr and Mae Whitman.
0: So, as I was saying before we started recording, I confused Mae Whitman for Emily Clark a lot in this movie to the point where mm-hmm. every time that I could like tell that it wasn't Emily Clark, I was a little surprised. Oh, it's Katara. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's see. Martin Starr. I've seen him before. I think the thing I remember him from was he had a bit role on the league in one episode uh, oh, of the yeah. league. Yeah. <laughs> it was very funny in that. I know, like freaks
1: and geeks, Silicon Valley and Hardy down and then like a few bit parts in different places his community one is very funny
0: i don't remember that but anyway doesn't matter that was the model un episode oh that's right yeah yeah okay never mind then but yeah um, he plays very similar characters
2: freak he plays a derivative of like like the 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 closed off like nerdy like he he plays this character
0: yeah, but uh, this and this, this character is a funhouse mirror version of yeah. all the other characters. <laughs> this guy. Okay, so let, let's just go ahead and call it. Let, uh, Kyle, do you have any any top line observations you want to go over before we jump into a synopsis? Nah, I'm good. Okay, so let's go ahead and call it synopsis. Our our pro- main characters. It is um, protagonists. <laughs> the protagonists. It? No, He's but they're the not. Anti-hero. Though. They're not though and we'll get into it. This movie huh. is not about any of these people, but we'll get into it. Hmm. So hot takes the, coming out of the gate.
2: <sighs> I'm very curious.
0: Yeah. So the main characters that we follow are Joe and Emily. Joe works for an AI company that makes that or that is currently engaged in making a Virtual assistant, uh, virtual an assistant. automated, uh, not yeah, an automated voice assistant.
1: Also, did you pick up? They work for Oracle. Yeah, which is like I, a I major did catch player that. in
2: the tech space. I just assumed it was like supposed to be a different Oracle, but maybe it's the same Oracle because like, they're like in a WeWork office the whole movie.
0: Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't look like I've mm, dark past Maybe Oracle, back like
1: up. the the good Oracle stuff yeah. is in Silicon Valley, but they're in Chicago, so they're like eh, just. Fucking yeah, whatever. You
0: can, you, can, you can work out of a co-working space who gives a shit. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but it could be another Oracle. This intro, I don't think it's a good intro into the movie. I guess it sets up the main problem that, like, leads to everything else. When Joe's on a run? He's, He's on a running. run, and he, we're just hearing this AI assistant and people calling in to a healthcare oh. company. And it's like, okay. so we're just hearing that, like, the mismatch it's like, that doesn't really tell us what the movie is about, but it it does lead us to like the problem that the solution causes the other problems of the movie.
0: Well, there's a thematic reason that it starts that way. It, It establishes Joe as a character that craves stability because half the movie takes place while he's running. But so we kind of like slide into they're in a meeting with a client who hates their product because... The customers hate their product, So they made this virtual assistant who is apparently condescending and bitchy and unrelatable and... But sexy. But sexy. And the client requirements are start over. You have a week. Two. Mm. Two weeks. Sorry. This is an incredibly good AI. However, Mm -hmm. it's deployed in the wrong place. Yeah, so this is actually interesting because, yeah, it is it is deployed in absolutely the wrong place. But the quality, like, so what we see in this scene is, like, there is an issue of, like, you know, function versus aesthetics. And, like, when you're dealing with people, when you have a machine that interacts with a human, you can't ignore the human element. Regardless of how well your machine works, if it works by chewing people up, the people are going to hate it.
1: Yeah. Also made a note. One of the reviews for the AI used the term epic fail. And I said, who's using epic fail in 2016?
0: In 2016, was that not still like a thing people said? I don't know. I, I'm It was like old. a few years earlier that it like kind of phased Well, out. at least they didn't hashtag it. I thought they did. <laughs> did they? I don't know. In the boardroom, Roger,
2: the lady that owns the, the insurance company or the healthcare company. Yeah. yeah, she says her customers are Twittering. I just wanted to point that out.
0: <laughs> her customers are Twittering. The joke here, of course, being that the people who are running these companies are not real people. These yeah, are olds. Fair. These are old people. And like, that's why they chase these weird engagement metrics that don't make sense to people who are actually mm-hmm. engaged with.
2: Yeah. Duh, people.
1: That's why brands on Twitter are now depression posting. <laughs>
0: Honestly, oh, no. though, that was that was funny for a hot minute. That was actually legitimately funny. And unfortunately, that kinda worked because we're all yeah. talking about it. That trend ended three years ago, guys. And we just brought it up again.
1: One, the intro for this meeting, there's a bunch of visualizations, and I'm like, that's really cool. They're very pretty. They don't mean anything, though. They don't.
2: The like the The transitions
0: with Joe's metrics. Mm -hmm. Well, the metrics are one thing, but like the where they graph them on a polar plot and it's like just planets orbiting the sun like that. That's bullshit. That's nothing. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah, That doesn't make any sense. But the the con, like the they'll they'll have a name. It'll be labeled. The graph will be labeled. Mm -hmm. But that comes up later in the movie. And it took me a second watch to actually be like, oh, he's like quantifying. Something we'll get into it when it when we when we get to that point, but it's very interesting,
0: yeah. So Joe is obsessive in his need to quantify everything to the point where it is actively damaging his personal relationships, as we'll see through the course of the movie. I
1: also appreciate in this client meeting that he's like, We did a miracle of
0: science, and she's like, Well, it's not good enough. And it's like, oh my god. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing that so so this is the the tension that I was talking about between like, does your thing work and does it work well with people? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like science is very clean cut people are messy, and that's something that Joe is not entirely equipped to grapple with so now they need a new voice,
1: so they mm-hmm. have to go back to the people they rejected and look at their top choices, and there's a very there's a very interesting. Way of doing this, where they're listening to the voices, and we like zoom in on Joe's head, and then into like
2: this mental space. And that is that how... what that was supposed to be?
0: Mm-hmm. Just kind that of.
2: that white that
0: white void was supposed to be Joe's head. Yep. Okay. Not been my experience, but then again, different pathologies. <laughs> yeah. Sorry to interrupt, Kyle.
1: No, that's fine. So he's been told that they need to meet certain criteria. One of the big sticking points is they wanted the voice to be empathetic, and the The, what is it, speech pathologist or linguist?
0: Psycholinguist. Thank you. Megan. Yes. Megan.
2: Yeah.
1: Said, you can't do empathy with an AI. We can do sympathy.
0: but She is right.
1: (laughs) Yeah. But the client insists and it's like, okay, whatever. But Joe, listening to voices, kind of plots in like a gauge chart how well these voices hit these metrics. Mm Mm-hmm. It's a neat way of showing it and his thought process.
0: Mm-hmm. So the upshot of this montage is that they fail to find anybody who meets the client requirements. And this sends Joe into the first of very, very many panic attacks he will have in this movie. This one
1: was a little milder, if I remember right.
0: Yeah, this was more stress catastrophizing, mm. you know, a basic workplace stress than like a full blown panic attack. Mm-hmm. So he does his—I hesitate to call it self-soothing because it's not really self-soothing. If you have to have somebody else do it, but he calls his wife, or rather, a person that we will later learn is his wife, who is a concierge at a hotel. <laughs> and you know, he's he's talking to her, and he's like, "I won't be able to do this contract, and I'll get fired, and then you'll leave me for somebody else." And like, that's insane. That's insane. But like, standard catastrophization. So. She kind of centers him and talks him down in a way that a client that's like at her desk can hear and remarks afterwards like, that is very comforting.
2: Well, they use like a a secret code word in order for him to call into her while she's at the desk.
0: Oh, that's right. Yeah. He is the guest in room 1313.
2: Yes. And that will come up many a time. And like she she like covertly acts like she's talking to an actual client. Over Mm -hmm. the phone instead of, you know, trying to babysit her husband.
0: Yeah, so.
1: Mm. Here's our first clue that Joe is very bad at emotional regulation.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: That's fair.
1: Now, he's found ways to prevent this from completely ruining his life, but it does require a very particular person to help him with this.
0: Caseworker. (laughs) Yeah we'll come back
2: to that. Joe needs a therapist, <laughs> quite frankly. Joe needs a therapist, yes.
0: Yeah. We never see Joe in therapy, but like we're supposed to believe that he's handling his shit, and he's not handling it particularly well,
2: right? That's what that's what the runs are for. This Apparently is very so. clever though, is they realize,
1: "Oh, Emily would be a great voice because her job naturally lends itself to this kind of AI assistant voice that they're wanting." And it's like that was inspired to be like, oh, someone in the hospitality industry is mm-hmm. going to have this like really soothing, reassuring voice. At least their
0: professional voice. Mm-hmm. I find myself once again vibrating with rage at this because nope, nope, that's self-preservation. I don't give a shit if your fucking sandwich has pickles on it and you ordered no pickles. That's that sucks for you. I'm just trying to avoid getting hot coffee splashed in my face. That's the voice. We know how to like calm people down because we don't want to get hot coffee. We're not empathetic. I don't give a shit.
1: My point, though, is they are able to get to that voice.
0: Right, right. So they they find the voice that they're looking for. Mm -hmm. There's a,
1: oh my god, there was a hard cut from them talking on the phone with Emily, because she ends up being on speakerphone with the whole team, to her being in the recording booth. That was a
0: hard cut. Yeah, that was as a cut, it kind of like, it made sense, but it was jarring.
1: And then Megan, as we said earlier, our psycholinguist has her hangups about working with Emily, and not so much Emily. An amateur, herself. thank you.
0: Amateurs do have opinions.
1: Everyone has opinions, but I guess professionals are better at hiding them. Wonder no, they're <laughs> not. And Megan was not. She doesn't have to. She's the one who's supposed to be in charge. Not important. Mm-hmm. But I was like, oh, this is—we all play D and D here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This was the difference between. Intelligence and wisdom. Yes, Megan knows the psycholinguistics behind what sounds good, but Emily's been in the shit. She knows from experience.
0: Yeah that that feels that feels valid. Yeah, I like that. We also see Megan like use the lingo of psycholinguistics to kind of paper over her own mistakes, and you know, doing this this thing because she had she says. Something along the lines of like, no, that line read doesn't work. Do it again. And everyone else is like, no, that was good. And she like uses some psycholinguistics, you know, phraseology to kind of like, okay, well, I mean, it kind of works. So I guess I changed my opinion and now I'm with the majority. It's
1: saving face.
0: Yeah. happens. Face work, by the way, is absolutely an issue in linguistics. It's an active field of study in pragmatics which is my field.
1: I thought it was really interesting to establish that Emily doesn't really want to work at a hotel.
0: Have you ever worked in a hotel? I have not. No, there is a good reason. No, I believe it, but
1: it it did seem like she enjoyed the job on her first introduction. So I was like, Oh, interesting.
0: Well, and and she also has a uniform and like what we see at the hotel definitely leads us to believe that it is a very nice hotel that she works for. So it is a little bit like it does look like she belongs and it does look like a better environment. But the hotel trade is rough. You deal with so much shit, both literal and metaphorical.
2: Oh, no. <laughs> oh, so no.
0: Bad.
1: It's
2: so bad. So now we go to just our favorite place of the movie.
0: <sighs>
2: we learn why she would rather do something like she, she hates working at the the hotel. Well, now we learn what her dream job is.
0: She wants to be part of the Neo-Futurists. Okay. So, (laughs) all right. The the Neo-Futurists are an avant-garde theater troupe in Chicago. And it's a real thing. And in fact, at least two of the guys who are in the group in the movie are actually in the group in real life. Hmm. So this is a real thing, a real place. And the show that they do is called Too Much Light Makes the Baby Go Blind and that's that's what it's introduced as. You can barely hear it over the cacophony of applause. Avant-garde theater is challenging, but these guys call themselves the Neo-Futurists. And we'll come back to why that name is fucking important and also makes me chew my eyelids in the analysis section. So, I yes. I <laughs> thought this was an improv
1: show, and I was like, oh, God, we're going to watch some improv. No. Well, I mean, it... it it's very close to being improv in some ways. It is. It's it's close, but it's not quite there.
0: Audience participation. Ugh. <laughs> or literally any other gag. But yeah, so the group goes to see Emily's first show, her debut show with the Neo-Futurists. And Joe is like, so so like the the guys at work, like they grab a couple of seats closer to the front. And Joe's like, no. This is the kind of show where they might grab you and pull you on stage. And I don't do well with humiliation. And they're like trying to like, well, this is where we're sitting. And, you know, it'll be fine. Don't worry about it. And Joe's just like, no. And sits in the back instead of sitting with his friends. Like, this is the level of anxiety that Joe experiences.
2: Did you guys catch the the name tag that Joe got while yeah. he was
0: entering, entering the theater? Every party needs a pooper. That's why we invited yeah. you, Joe.
1: <laughs> I I would punch that man in the face if he yeah. handed me a name tag that said party
0: pooper and then like, shouted the name tag because fucking goddamn damn me a futurist okay continuing hey one of
1: one of our theater troupe people is cameron esposito it is
0: whom we stand
1: yeah we see joe have a panic attack and i have not had a panic attack so i don't know if this is a decent representation of one
0: it's a visual shorthand that, like, his vision goes blurry and the camera starts shaking a little bit. Having a panic attack feels an awful lot like dying. It, it like, it, there is there is no great way to explain it, and less of a great way. Like, it, it's very hard to express visually. But while he's like having this these panic attack symptoms, and the camera goes blurry and starts shaking a little bit, he's updating his metrics for himself in his phone
1: yeah the play ends and so now it's chatting afterwards here's where we find out they're married and i was surprised that this movie actually committed to them being married most movies don't
0: so cameron esposito is actually playing a, a very different character than she normally does like her her stock character is like the fun lesbian that that's kind of her energy both on stage As a comedian and on stage in film and television. Here she's snippy, let's say.
1: Yeah. Kind of a bitch. (laughs) Oh my god, for real. She's giving Emily a lot of advice about her performance. And she's like, it felt kind of safe and not really interesting. Yeah. And you should do something better. And it's like, oh my god.
0: There's a nice way to do that. And you were like 75% of the way there. And then you just like veered into fuck you. Being an actor is hard because you do kind of like it is emotional work. So like it, like it's hard to critique someone's acting without critiquing them. Yeah.
2: Hmm. Yeah. Then we hard cut back to inside the theater where Joe is talking to Greg and I, I assume Greg's partner, Girl. girlfriend, girlfriend, girlfriend. It's definitely girlfriend. Okay
0: and okay so greg oh darling dear greg i love greg so much he's
2: greg a people pleaser. Is like,
0: yeah he's a people pleaser <laughs> so greg is like we're so in love and like the camera pans over like he's talking to joe and and greg's like we're so in love and it cuts over to cameron esposito getting extremely flirty with this girl like
1: wasn't cameron esposito it was to it was the oh, girlfriend and the- then just some woman
0: oh yeah, yeah, okay, sorry, random woman getting very flirty with with this girl that apparently Greg's in love with, and so Joe's like, "Uh uh-huh, okay, so here's what you do, you guys each take one of these tablet machines, and you go in here and you fill out your information and all of your partners, and like it'll compile all the data and tell you your compatibility level. And just like, don't do that. Don't do that. Anybody tells you to do that? Don't.
1: We'll pause here. I understand that statistical analysis is very enticing. I both by education and now professionally am a data analyst.
0: So I understand.
1: Thank you. I understand wanting to get as much information to make a reasonable decision as you can. Actually, making models reliable is incredibly hard. And when you're talking about people, there's so many facets to human life that you cannot possibly categorize everything. Now it's very possible that stuff is not statistically significant and has no bearing, but gathering that much information and saying, Oh, this is actually information I want to gather is so hard. Like this is such a dumb idea to pursue.
0: Yeah.
2: People are messy. Yeah. That scene was truly wild to me because it's like Greg's girlfriend even says like, oh, but I already know how I, how I feel inside. And, and Joe goes on this tirade of like, oh, your emotions are wrong. You should quantify this with my charts.
0: would we call that a tirade? Because it feels just like he's like, no, no, you're emotional. You feel that way. You don't know it. It was,
1: yeah, you're, you're, you're correct. He says intuition is bias. And it's like, bro, that's all we have. You should know that as someone who's doing data analysis, bias is everywhere.
0: Yeah, like I feel like he's like having to moonlight as a data analyst and his thing is like programming the architecture of this AI and not necessarily like full-time data analysis. So like No, that's just a personal project. Yeah, that that, <laughs> that, that that's a hobby. He got the minor in data analysis. <laughs> so they hand the girl the tablet and then the scene cuts and you're like, "What? We're not going to
1: find out how that whatever. Whatever. Fine." <laughs> And then, is this where Joe and Emily are in a hotel? Like, no, they go, to their...
2: they go back oh, to no, their... Oh, no. Oh, God. I thought okay. they went back to their house.
0: That I, they do. You know what? I think you're right. They do. And Emily's a little bit drunk. That apparently makes her very honest and giving. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to talk about this scene. <laughs> the
2: The balloon and anchor scene?
0: No, that's like no. an hour the away. End. No, no,
2: no. That's the skit that she does. But she talks about, Joe, you're my anchor, and I'm a balloon, and without oh. you, I'll float away.
0: Oh, oh does my she? God. I, I miss that. Yeah. Oh, my God.
2: And then okay. they have, like, drunk sex.
0: Uh, and this scene <laughs> takes so long. Like-
2: I, I I, appreciate, like, uh, an artsy, like, quasi-realistic sex scene where it's, like, people are making, like, kind of, like, I'll say natural O faces, where, like, their mouth is, like, open. It was, it was a lot to watch for oh, a long time. It was rough. No. I have
1: two notes here. <laughs> One is when she's talking and I say, this is kind of cute, but also kind of horny. And then I said, okay, this got horny.
0: <laughs> yeah. So for those of you who don't follow me on Twitter, I made a tweet about this that I didn't really give any context to like why I was saying this, but I should <laughs> did. <laughs> So the tweet is: I do not understand the aesthetics of vanilla straight sex in film. Like, go to town, enjoy it, but y'all realize it's not visually interesting, right? On the other hand, I can see how it does make it less—I don't know—uncomfortable to film, but also existentially uninteresting. I would agree
2: with you. It it, it, was—it's not like it doesn't like. I don't think it's horny, or I don't think like it makes. It's not, like, sexy. It's, like, I, I, I thought it was meant to be there to, like, show, like, oh, they're actually a couple. They're not just, like, doing it for, like, the tax benefits.
0: Yeah, I mean, I get that. But also, like, ah, it's just... Okay, so, so quick diversion about how sex scenes are normally filmed. They are incredibly unsexy. People, there are at least 12 people in the room not including the actors, when they're doing Mm -hmm. this. In a scene like this, they're both wearing jeans. And shirts. (laughs) And shirts. Uh, My my notes say they're having awesome
2: shirt sex, my third favorite position.
0: (laughs) And also, if you carefully examine the positions, there is no way that they are actually... Having penetrative sex? (laughs) Unless unless joe is hung like a satyr which i don't think is accurate i mean that is
1: a big criticism of the room (laughs) you guys know what i'm talking about
0: yeah i forgot about that is
1: he having sex with her
0: belly button what's happening (laughs) (laughs) so like they are so far apart and it's it's boring missionary sex which like look that can be very romantic in certain contexts but like this is not one of them this is not for the audience's benefit no but it goes on for so long which begs the question of whose benefit is it
1: for
2: then yeah moving. we
1: have to move on next 12 year
2: old boys will not be like fast forwarding to this part of the movie no (laughs) (laughs) no you know, like how they did, how they, like, wore out the VHS and Starship Troopers on their, uh, I would say Titanic.
0: Uh, <laughs> ew! Just... Nobody, and I mean nobody, has worn out a VHS of Titanic. I hope not. Which VHS? <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, the...
1: anyway. No, it came in two. That's the joke there. Oh, oh wow. Okay. Oh,
0: that's right. I forgot because it was a very long movie. So it's like the next day, we see
1: that Joe apparently plots out... Every goddamn aspect of his life. So he plotted out that
2: he had sex, and it's
0: mm-hmm. like,
2: yeah, the transition is him like putting on his sex chart. Ooh, good <laughs> sex tonight,
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh. and it will come up
2: again. Yeah. oh it's yeah, like, it will. It, look. Remember, so the metrics aren't that important, but like, the metrics were like average for for this sex scene, according to him. Oh. They will change
0: later. The, the met, Okay, so the transitions here function in the same way as a Greek chorus, sort Ooh, of yeah. like filling in the blanks and telling us, you know, the parts of this that we don't know, we couldn't know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's like, if you're plotting everything about your life, are you actually living it? We'll come back to that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I got a thing.
1: We see that Joe has put up curtains for like a little nook in their house so that Emily has privacy while she's writing. And it's like... He's doing good stuff. Like, this is a yeah, good relationship. Is... He's weird, but, like, it's a good relationship.
0: Yeah, he's a weird wife guy. I mean, his wife is his caseworker, but...
2: Yeah, yeah. He gets the actual office in their house apartment, but then she gets, like, the the kind of open closet. The nook. The nook, yeah, yeah, with some curtains. They couldn't have, like... they Obviously, like, they couldn't have shared an office because what happens later in the movie,
0: but... Mm-hmm. uh Well, that also happened at 2.30 in the morning, so take that as well yeah
2: he
1: goes for a run and it, we see joe running a lot you said that mm-hmm. it ends at the end of uh it's a kind of a pier but like where he's at is not really a pier
0: yeah it's, it's like it's Hollywood a pier busted ass broken down pier that's like disused and not really yeah. a thing anymore
1: and he takes a picture of the lake i guess it would yeah be. yeah and i was like this is gonna come up at
2: some point and it does eventually <laughs> Mm-hmm. That's that, that's actually the first scene in the movie when like they're rolling the yeah although the names it's like Joe's on the pier flashing a mm-hmm. photo
1: mm-hmm. running
2: past the yeah. the fisherman. He
1: also gets a call from his mom. And what they say here is not all that important. But I like that it shows that Joe's weird, but he does have healthy relationships.
0: Yeah, but with unhealthy people. His that's mother right. is a nightmare. She's a nightmare mom. She's a momzilla. We see why Joe is Joe. Yeah, well, we, and he says it explicitly in a few more scenes. Yeah. But yeah, so Joe's mom is uh, complaining to him about the contractors apparently taking her to the cleaners. Joe's like, well, did you get three quotes? All right, email me the quotes. I'll sort it out. And like, you get the feeling that Joe will just very like deadpan argue with them until they're just like so frustrated. They're like, fine, we'll pay at the lower price.
2: I have, I have a question for you, too. Hmm? Would you classify Joe's mom as a Chicago party aunt? I got to be Netflix. honest
0: with you. I don't know enough <laughs> about Chicago culture to, to say yes or no.
1: I mean, neither do I. But I know that's a Netflix show with ugly yeah, animation.
0: It was a, <laughs> yeah, it was, it's, it's a bad Netflix show. I, oh, I haven't, I haven't seen it. Yeah. I hadn't even heard about yeah. it.
1: But we get into the office because now Emily is officially the voice for this AI. And we get the payoff of Greg and that girl. Immediately
0: immediately. So the girl... <laughs> Alright, so so Greg comes in, and he's in a full-blown crisis because his girlfriend broke up with him because she's a lesbian. And Joe is just like deadpan, just like, yeah, that was my analysis. <laughs> like, when were you going to mention it, Joe? Yeah.
1: They go through this whole thing, and like Joe's being very matter-of-fact is like, look, the test didn't change anything about her it just told her what she already knew
2: and you
0: as it turns out
2: yeah and it's like actually you should be thanking me because at least you found out now instead of later
0: when you're more codependent dependent yeah yeah he's one to talk you yeah i'm like what the fuck are you talking about joe (laughs) joe is interested in the mechanics of
1: how they got there so his test Mm -hmm. and emily is focused on Greg being in pain. And I really yeah. and I said Joe really said facts don't care about your feelings.
0: Oh. No,
1: he basically did, yeah.
0: Yeah. I I, I my notes here say ah the two genders. But <laughs> but, but kind of unironically. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> so so it it's kind of poking at the idea that, you know, there's the stereotype that women are more nurturing and more mm-hmm. emotionally focused and men are more analytical and it's it's largely bullshit but there is a truth to it that like once you so when i started taking my hormone replacement therapy like a lot of things changed in my mind and a lot of the things that i cared about and focused on kind of changed i became more aware of my emotions and other people's so it's not entirely unfair like there's a grain of truth in it but it is largely bullshit Mm -hmm. like women can be analytical men can be sensitive it's just it's it's an artificial bifurcation that doesn't exist in reality
2: and greg in the scene is pretty pretty emotional like he's he's like oh what do i need to change about myself in order to get my girlfriend back my lesbian girlfriend back and emily being the only one here to really comfort him even though apparently his best friend joe it's just like, nah, I'm going to go back to work now.
0: <laughs> well, Greg, I have a solution for you, but you're not going to like it. She said, extremely trans. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> maybe he will <laughs> like it.
0: I don't know, maybe. I did yeah. not get that vibe from him, but maybe. Oh. He is a people pleaser. He, he is a people you know, pleaser. Yeah. I am not, I'm not recruiting. I don't recruit. <laughs> It's not how that yeah, works. You sh-
2: you shouldn't yeah, you shouldn't change change it like change yourself for someone else. Yeah, 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 th-
0: it should definitely be about you. Yeah,
2: not about someone else. After this scene,
0: Joe is talking
1: with Emily at home about how things are going to move forward, and the mm-hmm. way he talks about it, he kind of he says, "Hey, I made this app that can you start it. You're in control, but it listens in on your calls for certain key words or phrases or like tonality
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it's very weird that he says it as if it's a foregone conclusion
2: that she is going to have this on her phone i mean well he already installed it on her phone so it is not, that, not at the point
1: not quite at the point that i'm talking about
2: oh i thought like he gave her her phone Is like hey i yeah, put, I already, I put he, a-
0: he says i already put it on your phone Oh. Yeah, it's like, I pulled an okay. NSA, here you go. Yeah. Well, it's not the first NSA he'll pull, but we'll get there.
2: No. That was... Ugh.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, Joe is not connecting well with people, and that's just kind of part of Joe's whole thing.
1: I will say, Emily thought that she would be able to leave her job at the hotel because of the money for this recording. And yeah. he says, no, we have to go through, like, three or four different stages before you're at stability with this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's unfortunate because let let me just be very clear about what that means. She's pulling three jobs.
1: I fully did not realize that the theater thing was a job. I thought that was just
2: some hobby she was doing. You're a theater kid. It might as well be a job. Yeah. Like she's having to create skits and stuff and, you know, it may not be right. paid, but it's probably not paid. <laughs> She gets experience, though. She might get a cut of the
1: ticket sales. Oh, that's true. Hopefully.
0: Yeah. 2%. Um...
2: <laughs> oh, no.
1: But Joe does try and make a joke to make her feel better. I didn't write it down.
2: Yeah. Not a, it's not a good joke. But he oh, tries- when she, when he uh, oh, puts yeah, that spyware cute. on her? Yes. Oh, he's like, oh, yeah, I also take photos of you when you're sleeping. But that's only because I love you.
0: <laughs> yeah. It was cute. Like, it wasn't, like, uproariously funny, but, you know, it was It's It It is classified as a joke, yes. Yeah, very technically it is a joke. (laughs) Yeah. It's ironic because he wouldn't actually do that, except he totally would.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he would. It's funny because it's true. (laughs) Yeah. So, Emily leaves to go to the theater, and Mm -hmm. Joe gets a call from his mom that she is in the hospital. Joe has gone to take a shower. Yeah. And I was like, ooh, that is some Bad timing. He gets out, he listens to the message, and starts spiraling into a panic attack, which, if you're already prone to them, makes sense that this would set one off.
0: Sure, sure. Yeah. And recalls Emily on her way to work to help, like, bring him down, which causes her to be late to her third job. I have some
1: mixed feelings about this, because on one hand, this is a way that he's managing his problems. But on the other hand, he's relying on a single person. Yeah, I was about to say, he's not managing
0: shit. She's managing it.
2: Yeah, she's... I mean, yeah.
1: He's found a way to not have the worst outcome.
0: Yeah. He's he, offloading he's like, yeah. it
1: onto her. Yeah. Yes. He, he's that, the, he's wrong.
0: avoiding having to be institutionalized. <laughs> yeah. Which is a low bar, to be honest, especially these days. So I'll be honest with you. I get being passionate about you know, your work. But I think, I think Emily overreacted here. She gets not really chewed out, but put in her place when she gets to the theater. This bugged me so much because Cameron Esposito goes, well, this is a learning opportunity.
1: And if you're late, you don't get your plays in the show because we're adults here. And I was like, really? We're adults? Because you're acting like a child. Life happens.
0: Yeah. Like, seriously, part of being an adult is rolling with the punches and sometimes those punches send you into a panic attack that you have to help your husband out of. Fuck you. But, you know, she's not incorrect. And she does, she does one thing that I think makes it better, where she says, like, okay, so this is a learning opportunity because someday you will be the stage manager here and you'll be telling people that if they're late to rehearsal, they don't get to pitch plays. But
2: it could have ended there. She just, she just kept on going and was like, Yeah, we're adults. You got to learn this lesson. It's like, and Emily clearly, you know, communicated to her like, hey, my husband is having panic attacks because of work and his mother is in the hospital. That's what she's like. Oh, Joe needed me. And Chloe says, no, I'm sure he wanted
1: you, but we needed you here. I'm like, that's not how this works. Okay, that's a bunch of shit.
0: I, I have another thing that has happened to me on Twitter that I have to talk about real quick. okay <laughs> it didn't really it didn't really happen to me it happened okay so for those who don't know i work in progressive politics and there is a group i won't name the group but they're also like in movement work and there is a thread going around right now in which a founder of a prominent movement is defending herself because essentially One of their employees had a baby in the NICU. So that's the neonatal intensive care unit. And that's where you go if your baby is dying. So there are only two ways that you get out of there. Either your baby survives or your baby dies. So this is a big deal. And apparently the director circle of this group put it to a vote and decided that this guy who has... Again, a baby in the NICU needed to come into work. And it, it it very much it gave me big Carmen Esposito in this thing in this scene energy. We're just like, no, no, we need you. F- fuck you. Medical emergency. Get absolutely bent.
1: We also see Joe in the hospital with his mother. His mother's very resistant to
2: most forms of care.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, she's been diagnosed with Edison's disease, is it? Yeah. I believe yeah. so, yeah. It's a
0: yeah. It's an adrenal issue. Her adrenal glands are are no longer producing a necessary hormone. The adrenal glands produce several hormones, so it's unclear mm-hmm. which. So she'll need to take pills, which she says she can't because she can't keep them down, which is a side effect of her condition. So what they propose is that she can get an injection every, you know, day or two. I think it's twice daily. <laughs> or twice daily. Sorry, you're right, twice daily and then that will cause the nausea to subside, and then she'll be able to take the pills. This turns out to be a problem. We don't really come to understand how much of a problem until later. This is also the scene where Joe explains why he is the way he is. Spoiler alert, it's fetal alcohol syndrome.
2: Oh my god.
0: I was blown away. (laughs) Yeah.
2: (laughs) Because this part makes a whole lot more sense, because in IMDb... If you scroll way down under storyline, they have tags. And one of the tags is drinking while pregnant. And I was like, well, that's a weird tag is one of the main characters pregnant and currently consuming alcohol. Ah, no, it was just Joe's mom. (laughs) (laughs) But they get home and like
1: Emily's upset because of what happened at the theater. And it's it's really hard to take anyone's side at this point. Because you understand where everyone's coming
0: from. Yeah. Yeah. And Joe doesn't... I mean, it it is perfectly within Joe's idiom to not respond compassionately to this because he doesn't know how. But also, I think Emily overreacts to this. Like, it's not Joe's fault. Joe didn't put his mother in the hospital.
2: Emily does say when she gets inside, kind of puts all her stuff down and gets in the bed, she's like, uh, Joe, I, I need a minute. Can you just, like you know stay in another room for
0: a while
2: yeah yeah but politely and 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 i i i would not have been like it, there should have been a sound effect of like an, an electric motor like because like joe like hears this without blinking he then turns without moving his neck he goes zzz, and then just walks out of the room <laughs> oh, it's like oh my goodness yeah
0: oh i thought you made a different
2: electric sound
0: oh so no did no I, I, just... at first i was like oh sorry no. i mean I also enjoy an angry wank, but like, come on, time and place. (laughs) Just like an
2: electric motor, like turning him and then just like kind of shuffling out of the room. It's like, ah, very emotional. Mm -hmm,
0: mm -hmm.
1: So more just like a lot of like quick scenes. So Emily's at her job, but she's asleep at her job because like so much is going on in her life. She's now in the Mm -hmm. recording booth. Apparently they can do some cool editing tricks.
0: Yeah, this is also the point where we see that this issue with Greg and his lesbian girlfriend is spiraling. It's not going to get better. <laughs> this man really reinvented himself
1: after a breakup.
0: Mm, yeah, but also when one reinvents oneself after a breakup, it's for oneself or at the very least for the benefit of people who are not your lesbian ex-girlfriend. Yeah. He's doing it explicitly to get this lesbian back. Yes, And he's doing like he's doing a, a, an in office cardio routine and he's eating noni fruit which by the he's way is out
2: a juice uh, fruit cleanse
0: yeah stinks like ass <laughs> noni fruit is the worst smell in the universe up there with the durian ah uh, no 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 it's not that bad i will say the durian <laughs> i would rather gargle skunk juice than <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I did it. I did it. <laughs> Jared, Ooh. okay. Game we March got a spit tank. take. <laughs> yeah. we, we got a spit take, baby. <laughs> Durian is awful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but some people actually like it. I don't get it, but I'm mm-hmm. sure. But yeah. Like I said, quick scenes. They end up like muting
1: Emily and she, yeah. she's just doing her thing. And you had something mm. about this, Jared, right?
2: Uh, last night? Maybe. Or I don't. I don't remember. I
0: mentioned it briefly before we started recording. Oh, that's what Uh, it was. Okay. So this was one of the very few scenes that was actually like mildly amusing in this movie. This is a classic dramedy in that it's not funny at all. As I texted to Kyle while I was watching the movie, because I do often like live message Kyle during these movies, I I was like, I hate dramedies. They're always so heavy on the drama and so light on the D. I was like, oh, ew, no, hate that. First time I said that out loud, <laughs> do not like. <laughs> <laughs> so this is one of the very few moments that was actually like funny. Because Greg is doing his like, he's doing. Oh, shit. What do they call it? Like those? lunges?
2: Uh, lunges. Thinking. Lunges are like
0: burpees or whatever. He's, yeah, he's doing. No, burpees are a different thing. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's doing lunges in the background on the other side of the studio from Emily and everybody's like what the fuck is greg doing but they still have emily's audio on then greg comes back around smelling like dude ass and opens up a <laughs> bag of noni fruit and like <laughs> they they mute emily's audio and in a good recording studio that would be like you are you, you don't exist anymore so they're all they all like they mute her audio and then turn around and like interrogate greg like what the fuck are you doing man that stinks get the fuck out of here with that and emily's just sitting there like hey hi what are you hello she starts waving around (laughs) it was actually kind of funny more so if you've ever been in an actual recording studio and (laughs) and, like tried to get somebody's attention we get a montage now
1: where it's it's emily's nook and joe going for a run and it's multiple days so we see Mm -hmm. that every day joe's goes for a run Emily says, "Love you, bye." And they kiss, like mm-hmm. as people do, mm-hmm. and and it does a really good job of like pattern, 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 pattern break.
0: Yeah, so it, it kind of like shows that as times going on, these three jobs are wearing on them as people and their relationship. Come back to it.
2: <laughs>
1: the break is that Emily does not leave her nook or kiss uh-huh.
2: Joe. I thought it was more gradual than a than a break. It it showed that like as the stress of three jobs was wearing on Emily and like she was devoting more time to the theater. She had less time for Joe while Joe was still in his routine, even though Emily was changing. Right. So Emily is, is, you know, you're right. It is a little more gradual than I said. Yeah. But it is a bunch
1: of like, I actually think she says, welcome back, not like goodbye. Mm -hmm. That's when he's coming back, but it's a bunch of welcome backs. And then the last one is, her not leaving her nook not kissing him
2: mm-hmm.
1: yeah so that's what i meant more by a break but there is yeah other pieces that gradually change uh-huh. it is baffling to me that they got married in the first place given the characterization to this point i was like how did they get here given how different in like lifestyle approaches they are
0: also like that's a big change and joe is clearly not a fan of that I figured he would probably be more a fan of, like, why don't we just, like, date forever? Which is a valid approach. Yeah. 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 But, like... It works for you. Yeah. Mm.
1: (laughs) But, Joe being the hyper-rational man, he's
2: like, ooh, those tax benefits, though. Mm. I don't even know if it would come down to tax benefits. I, I feel like he would, much like Emily laying on top of him, like, as a literal security blanket, the ring would also act as like a security blanket of like, Oh, I have this static relationship mm-hmm. now mm-hmm, mm-hmm. compared to a much more like flowing non-monogamous or just like, you know, girlfriend, it's, boyfriend it's those classic critiques of marriage of a man saying, this one's mine. Oh <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh no. That's kind of what he did. Probably. Uh, I could see Joe's logic. Yeah. yeah I, I, uh, or what he would consider his logical conclusion of, like, why I should get married.
0: Don't like this. Don't <laughs> the like next it. scene or the logic? No, the logic.
2: Oh, yeah, no, it's absolute dog shit.
0: Or actually the next scene. I'm not a, not a huge fan of that either. We're, yeah, this we're scene is truly
1: wild. I They have this huge disagreement because Emily's like, that's not me. I'm your actual wife. That's just my voice. That's not a person.
0: And I'm like, I could see why a data nerd would be like, yeah, but all these traits match. It's clearly the same. And the the thing that's really getting to Emily is that he is referring to this AI as her.
1: Kind of reminds me of a joke I heard where the joke is, God must be an economist because of the story of Job, where he's like, what, kids equal kids? <laughs>
2: hmm. <laughs> this This scene was truly like, This is why I think this was not a a comedy or well, it was a drama, but it was a psychological horror because Joe is like gone, like full, like Frankenstein of like, oh, no, I've created another you basically like I've replicated you. You are predictable. She's
0: funny and she's, you know, predictable and she's only as predictable as you are. And you're very predictable. Don't ever tell a theater kid that. Don't tell anyone that. Don't tell
2: anyone like, "Oh, like I've I've broken your personality and like how you respond to people to eight different like lines, catchphrases." <laughs> yeah. yeah, catchphrases. And it's like no one no one wants to hear that. How like who wants to hear that, especially from their spouse? And he has like this like it's not this shit eating grin on his face, but like this like, "Oh, I did a good job." grin. Yeah, like completely uh, satisfied. Completely satisfied with his work, while his wife is just like looking at him and like abject horror of yeah, like a who did i marry yeah you are a monster this isn't the worst of it yet and it's not the worst of it
1: yet
0: <laughs> yet
1: but she does say joe take this fucking app off my phone yep the opening bit was based on this scene specifically as soon as you saw the shot of the options and one of them was hide you're
2: like oh god damn it joe oh yeah yeah this was telling. that's it's we'll get to it when it comes up later but I asked I asked a question to Kyle last night that I also want to ask you, Sophia. Mm-hmm. But we'll, we'll, we'll get to it. We'll get to okay. it. Okay. Now it's 2.30 in the morning. Yeah. We cut to Joe is having a sleepless night.
0: Mm-hmm. He goes to his office. As one does when one is having trouble falling asleep. Yeah. He, um, entertains himself. He, uh... Yes. All right, let's just stop. Let's stop fucking around. He's jerking off to his to his AI wife. Perhaps the most insane part
1: is he does eventually, like, create a separate thing that's special to yeah. him. At this point,
2: <laughs> he's just using the healthcare. Like, <laughs> he calls into this insurance company. <laughs> but he has this special code. He has, like, the backdoor code. Oh, to, is like, it at this point?
0: The, no. Well, no,
2: he... he 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 uses like room 1313. Yeah, I no, he,
0: he has he's just giving a policy number. He's just oh, doing a policy. Oh, that's so thing. weird. Yeah. <laughs> he's going through. Well, but he realizes it's weird because he creates his own back door into the AI eventually. Yeah. Oh uh, my
1: god. And I said this is where we've hit her territory. So again, I have not seen her.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, you have not seen her. You have not seen her. So there is a there is an awkward moment where like he shifts uncomfortably and adjusts his pants i'm like oh fuck we're doing it we're doing this (laughs) and sure enough (laughs) just watch porn there's porn there's so much porn
2: there is a lot of porn and like the weird thing is the voice assistant is not even saying anything like provocative it's not saying anything like
0: it's saying his name and like
2: it's saying like are you there with you are you there Yeah. yeah yeah i'm here joe <laughs>
0: it's, and then he asked him,
2: Say my name. <laughs> What's my name?
1: <clears throat> he ends this scene looking like Randy Marsh was attacked by ghosts,
0: quote unquote. <laughs> 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 ah, Le Petit
2: Next day, he goes into work, and he's immediately. But, but like, before. Oh, sorry okay. to interrupt. Before that, to get back to the transitions his graph transitions there is another purple graph with like his sex graph his monthly sex allotment <laughs> and in the like the emotional chart it shows like oh shoot it, it, it it's like he he's he felt more close like he he it was more like he had more love on like the like the polar graph like than he did when he yeah more intimacy than when he first had sex with Emily in the movie. His actual wife. (laughs) His actual wife. And it's like, oh no, this guy. And then the next scene. Sorry, Kyle. Yeah. But the next scene. He's at
1: work. He's like, I'm going to finish this at home. And I said, I'll work from home, King. I go back
0: and forth on Joe a lot in this movie. (laughs) He also says he wants to do it in his, like, do it in his pajamas. And I was like, don't you mean sweatpants? (laughs) (laughs) That's a strip club joke.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Did anyone else notice that, like, so, Post, like, he, he's glowing in this scene, basically. Yes. Like, yeah. he's more, like, he's more prim <laughs> and proper. He's wearing a button-up polo. He's got his hair all gelled back. Like, he, he's glowing. Like He looks like me after I get laid. Yeah, exactly. And he, he just awkwardly masturbates. To, to Awful. Him. Someone
1: in this scene, I'm pretty sure it was Greg, wore one of those, like, really obnoxious
2: graphic tees of the Communist Party. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? I didn't catch that. No. That was Emily's skit partner when she's at the. When oh, she's that's right. The, that was
0: so. God. I was like, God damn it. I didn't notice that, but I'm putting it in my notes because that's real fucking ironic. It was
2: one of those like mid 2010s. Like, I think you could get it like Hot Topic. It was like all, like it was a bunch of communist thinkers, but like at a party and like they were drunk. And, like, oh, yeah. When Marx, it has like
0: a lampshade on his Marx head. Marx has yeah. like
2: a lampshade. Like oh Snorktease.com. <laughs> <laughs> I see you're an anti capitalist too, comrade. But the scene was
1: like they had the balloons and they, like one was breathing from the other person's balloon. It was this whole. Oh,
0: she, she was, was she was um, reciting
1: yeah. something as well. Uh, it was a so, Dorian Gray thing.
0: Yeah. So, oh, okay. so
1: not all of the plays matter, but two of them do. Well,
0: this one, I thought this one was because, pretty good. Yeah, it, it, it's sort of like it, it's telling. So. Emily, something we didn't cover. Emily makes a promise to Joe that she's never going to write a play about him. And this is the first scene like Joe has cheated on Emily with this robot and she is cheating on Joe with the theater. So, yeah, this is this is Emily cheating on Joe with the theater because he is comparing the emotional abuse by neglect that Dorian Gray shows to. All of the other characters in that book, and comparing Joe's inability to like function emotionally to that abuse. So, so she is very much cheating on Joe with yeah. the theater here.
1: Apologies, I thought you were talking no, about the no, next no, no. play she does. The,
0: yeah, no, not oh, no, the last but,
1: one. No, the one where she calls Emily. Oh
0: no no, oh no 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 no. That's a
1: good one though. That is a good one.
0: God, like that that's that's real theater.
1: oh my god they're both just have fucked each other at this point well
0: they have fucked each other but (laughs) they've fucked they've fucked themselves yes
2: yeah and like the next scene cameron esposito's character makes a like a really valid point of like well you promised joe you wouldn't use him in your work but joe broke that promise by using you in his work and it's like oh that's valid you know yeah also he never comes to these so how would he even know
0: yeah Mm -hmm. Like, it, it right.
2: <laughs> it's not, like, justified, but no, it's, it's, like, it's understandable, like, why.
1: Here's yep. the other part where I'm, like, kind of on Joe. Joe has a panic attack because his mother has medical issues continuing. Emily's not there, not even close. So he uses the oh, AI assistant to, like, calm him down. It's like,
2: that's a good thing. If you can, but like... But
0: not before. Yeah, so he does... Not
2: before a certain scene.
0: Yeah, so he's calling. Uh, well, you know what, Jarrett, You want to take this one? Oh, you're right.
2: So after after the after the show, all the cool kids go on the fire escape, drink some brewskis. You know, have a have a good hangout, sesh. True, true. And we cut back to Joe gets a call from his mom, and I think like either she left him a message, or may, maybe I'm thinking about the the first
0: time she. Mm-hmm. No, that, that's the first time. Here he does actually talk to her and talk like, to her. Yeah, you, if you don't, oh yeah, like lie. slow down.
2: Yeah, yeah. Like, slow down, Mom. I, I can't understand you. Anyway, so, like, Joe learns that his mother is having a current medical crisis because she has not been taking her medication like she should. And she has also fired her nurse that is supposed to inject the medication. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Joe, having a panic attack, calls Emily on the fire escape, talking to uh, mm-hmm. Chloe, Cameron Esposito's character. And she doesn't want to, you know, interrupt the conversation. So she she, you know, hangs up on Joe and that goes over a couple times. Then she turns off her iPhone, and Joe, being the the hacker man he is, he uses the spyware that he still has that we learned that, oh, he actually did keep on Emily's phone to turn the phone back on to keep calling her. So that's when we learn, like, oh, no, he didn't delete it. He just hit it, which is not a big shock. But that ma- that raises a point of, did Joe spiral to be the person that you know he's becoming, or was he already a piece of shit? Because he already had, like, put that feature into the software. Like he didn't change the software. He was expecting, oh, Emily's probably not going to want this on her phone forever. So I should build a functionality to hide it on her phone.
0: Yeah, actually, now that you bring it up, that is something you have to program into an app. Yeah, like he didn't add it. Also, like you can't you can't just backdoor into a phone that is off. That has to be a function that you've installed, like in the back yeah. end.
2: So he's prepared all of this in order to keep his emotional support blanket, basically. But then, what, we fast forward. Medical yeah, emergency.
1: Yeah. They go to somewhere. Is it, do they go to Milwaukee? No. They no, go no, to no,
2: Milwaukee no. from Chicago. Oh. Well, no, not, be- not before Joe gives basically gives up on the real Emily, copy and pastes the AI Emily from his project to another folder to then, like, make new voice lines. Oh, yeah. And yeah. then he calls the fake emily and was like talk to me emily like does like oh i'm here joe i'm here and then like calms down and then we cut to emily the real emily finally getting home and asking hey, what the fuck w- with my phone like what and he's like oh you need to be on my side right now my mom and like he just keeps on like skirting the question it's like <sighs> joe not
0: a good look man Yo, this is this is nasty this is bad behavior yeah but like, they did I- go to milwaukee to handle ma and ma is a pain in the ass. But Emily's able to take care of the situation, like take charge of the situation
1: and said, okay, here's yeah. what happened. Well, first, Joe tries to be very matter of fact. If you don't take this, you will die. Mm-hmm. She's not responding to that. So Emily gives tough love, which is not usually her approach, but it works here. I said, Emily really girl bossed all over here.
0: Yeah, seriously. Yeah. So, So the options here are she dies. She goes to a hospital, which is worse, which is a worse option for her. Or she gets a shot, which is just dying and going to hell for her. Yeah. So obviously everybody kind of wants to give her the shot and she's extremely resistant. So so Emily is just like grabs her by the, she's wearing a bathrobe. She grabs her by the lapels of her bathroom and is like, look, if you don't get the shot, we're going to have to take you to a hospital and we're going to have to go away because we have jobs. So going to do this and here's how we're going to manage it and they end up singing like just shouting their his mom's Bruce favorite song. song yeah a Bruce Springsteen song which <laughs> Joe points out and they're just like in unison shut the fuck up Joe now importantly Joe decides to record
1: Emily's handling of the situation so that that AI assistant can be better
0: and against all odds this kind of works it shouldn't and having sold insurance before, no, it doesn't work. You're never supposed to handle a customer like that, especially if they happen to be from Wyoming.
1: A lot of stuff, but one thing I did want to highlight is there's a scene between Joe's mom and Emily, and she's kind of like, was Joe always like this? Which one, if you're married, you should know.
0: But feels like we're not exactly sure how long they've been married, but it feels like relevant information. Before you get married. Yeah. And she goes, check under the windowsill.
1: And Joe, like, carved into the wood to, like, mark when his dad
2: actually showed up when he said he would because his dad left. Yeah. But it was just a bunch of symbols and then, like, dates. So, like, Joe's mom, like, says, like, oh, I didn't understand what those weird carvings were under the windowsill until I referenced my journal to when Joe's father said he would show up to when he would he actually showed up. And like Joe had been keeping track of that.
0: Oh good. This whole thing is just parental neglect. Hooray. Yeah.
1: To which I wrote a joke making fun of internet armchair psychologists. Data analysis is a trauma response. Uh, <laughs> it's a coping
2: uh, okay. mechanism. I mean, exactly.
0: <laughs> I'm not I am not a licensed therapist. I do not know, but that sounds right to me.
2: Sounds perfectly healthy. I don't remember what happens next. Exactly. Like me neither. I wrote that Joe's withdrawing I, from life. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's still another scene when Emily and Joe are at Joe's mom's house. And this is everything's taken care of. Joe's mom is, is like better. Like at the beginning of this, when they first go there, she is like a different person. I'm I'm sure you both know, like a disease, like if someone's like going like through a very tough point, especially if they have a chronic disease, like they're a completely different person. Her, they're like her face changed. Like she's like a different person. She looks like a different person. Talks like a different person. Like her face is, looks different. Like, but her, her mom fine. So they're kind of like dealing with the aftermath, like calming down. And they have a scene when they're on the the couch where Emily is trying to talk to Joe about. Oh, oh
1: kids. Cause the mom brought it up. Earlier. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Kids. And like, Emily's trying to have a heart, like actually have like, a human interaction with Joe and Joe gets a text from the fake Emily. Oh, fuck. Asking, oh, hey, Joe, how are you doing? Are you like, are you better from like your panic attack you had last night? Because he tells the AI to text him 24 hours later and like mid conversation, Joe just gets out his phone and prioritizes fake Emily while like Emily, like the real Emily is like two feet from him. Yeah, and like Emily just just kind of walks off. So like, not a good look for Joe. Then they then they
0: leave the mom's house. Mm-hmm. It like, there's got to be an easier way to not talk about having kids. <laughs> That's that is one way to get out of wanting kids. Is like,
2: ah, uh, my fake you is texting me. Sorry, I need to take this. I need to take this. It's you.
1: <laughs> Next thing I remember for sure is if we get the fun piece of theater. Where Emily calls Emily. Oh, yeah. And I said she really doxed her whole ass husband.
0: <laughs> yep, this is just like, once the cheating seal's been broken, it's just, it opened the floodgates, here it comes. She lets loose on Emily. There was a scene, like,
2: th- it was like a very short scene. It mm-hmm. was like a 30-second scene in between them leaving their mom's house and the one where Emily's at the theater talking to other Emily. It's Joe going on a run again.
0: Oh right. Right.
2: And Greg, like, kinda like follows him because of course Joe doesn't want to run with someone. And this is where we kind of learn about Joe and Greg's relationship. And it's almost completely one sided, it feels like. Because Greg calls Joe his best friend. Yeah. And like nowhere like we're and we're over the halfway mark with this movie. No (laughs) nowhere in this movie does Joe (laughs) show any like (laughs) <laughs> like familiarity like any any friendliness to greg other than like your girlfriend's a lesbian and you're welcome you should be thanking <laughs> me for this yeah you should no you should be thanking me but but that that scene that that's all i wanted to note from that scene
1: let's see so theater where she does the fake emily thing joe actually came to this one he's mad because mm-hmm. she said She would
0: not write about him,
1: but he promised to uninstall the app from her phone. So I think they're even.
0: And also, I Mm -hmm. feel like jerking it to a robot is a breach of something in our relationship. So like, I don't know exactly what, but it feels like a breach.
2: And the best part, Joe was in the audience. Yeah. Yep. Yep. In the back where he usually is. I think they're at this point, they're back to their house and have their like
0: shouting match or not shouting, but... She's shouting. He's his words are sharper. I yeah. used to argue a lot like this. Like, so <laughs> deep Sophia Laura I used to be married and this was before I transitioned and I don't want to get too far into why I'm not married anymore. But like when we were fighting, like she would shout and I would just I would I would like my voice would get sharper I'd be like, well, this is the problem not not you know i wouldn't raise my voice i'd never raise my voice to my ex-wife my note here is where is may whitman's oscar yeah honestly this is this is good like she she's she's carrying this yeah she leaves
1: she's like i'm out i can't be around you and joe all joe can think about is
0: but where does that leave me yeah Yeah. (laughs) but what about me what about my problems fucking my notes here say get a caseworker
2: yeah, they should have got a caseworker like that should have been like their honeymoon present.
0: Yeah, seriously.
1: So time has passed. We don't exactly know how much, but Joe's been like really withdrawn. So Greg goes to check on him.
2: But before oh, that, yeah. there's the like the party, like because I guess this oh, happens right. where like they're introduced, like they're actually like unveiling the, the the finished product to the world. It's a launch party yeah. and they have this. Yeah, they, they have this. Party in like this marbled lobby, and and like it, it's just and they like show an example of Emily, and it's her talking like very sternly to an old woman that can't find her like case number, and it's like I need you to find the case number, and and like this is supposed to highlight how truly different their voice assistant is. Yeah, so like, like
0: it, it's not that she can't find the case number; it's that she doesn't really want to, and oh, so. Okay. Like, because, I mean, she's just found out that she's dying. And it's yeah. like, look, I'm going to help you get the, like, I can either help you get the the help you need or you can die. I need you to find this case number. I'm going to help you. And then she like. Which is it. wild. Yeah. It's it's nuts. it's But the they thank thing. a lot of people and they thank Emily, the voice assistant, not Emily, the voice. <laughs> Who is present. Yeah. And this just feels like retribution, like tit for tat. And Joe makes like a
2: partial speech, which I feel is completely out of character for him. He can't sit in the front row of a small theater. Why? Why are we like led to believe that? Oh, like he can give a speech to a room full of? Oh, this wasn't meant to
0: humiliate him.
2: Yeah, this He was could do this a client meeting. meeting. Like yeah. I thought. It, I thought it was like a a party because he like gets on like a. No, my point is a, like podium. Separate professional and personal. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. But what a psychopath!
1: Yeah. Huge fallout. Greg checks on him. His apartment looks like he is now a serial killer.
0: Yeah. So before that, he gets flagged as an abusive caller on the system. And so that's what prompts Greg to go check on him. Right.
1: They have this huge fight. Joe ends up having a panic attack because Greg said they're going to delete his special Emily. Yeah. And huge hectic scene. He ends up going on a run because that's all he can think to do. Mm -hmm. And... Borrow someone's phone, calls Emily, and he's, like, in such hysterics. I was like, where is Martin Starr's
0: Oscar? Yeah. So there's a fixture where, like, he's running around trying to borrow somebody's phone and nobody, like, because he drops his phone over the over the balcony in his struggle with Greg. And, like, he's, he's trying to borrow somebody's phone and, like, he, he goes on his, like, run and there's a guy who's always, like, fishing on the pier as he's running past it. And he's the only person who let Joe borrow his phone. Uh, So he talks to him and he calms himself down. And he kind of like realizes that he's like at this crisis point and walks to the very edge of the pier and it looks like he's going to jump off and then he doesn't in a scene that is agonizingly long, agonizingly long, way too long. What the fuck? And then hands him his phone back and like has a quick chat with him and like commits to Continuing to live, but now he's, like, got to get in contact with Emily.
1: He has a brief conversation with the
0: fisherman, which is neat. It's like, oh, you
1: wouldn't think that would happen. Yeah, yeah. But we don't need to spend too much time on it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. He goes back to the apartment. Greg is still there trying to figure out the the passcode to the back door Emily, his special private Emily.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And Joe, after having this epiphany, like, understands, like, yeah, I, I. this is unhealthy.
0: He he, he straight up spearfished Joe for the password. <laughs> it was amazing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And almost got all of it. He knows it's like room 13 something and it's R00N1313. Mm-hmm. Zero zero
1: they would never have cracked the double zeros though. They're idiots.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, if it was algorithmic, no. But like, it, it's a guy trying to help his friend and like he knows it's yeah. room 13 something. Like- okay Mm -hmm. simple substitution O's for zeros etc yeah so he he deletes it himself and they they go he's like all right now i have to talk to emily and greg's like yeah that's a pickle how would you ever do that like if only there were somewhere where she is like every single week at a specific time (laughs) joe's like oh out of the theater (laughs) Oh, and Joe, Joe makes his like third joke of the movie is
2: like, oh, did, did she go to a park every week? And like, oh, no, the theater. it's like, what the? Come on, Joe. Also, Greg grows. Greg has some major development after after Joe gets back and talks to Greg. Joe learns because like three weeks have passed since Emily has left and Joe is a recluse. He like he nearly died. He almost dies in like the office or something. And he has to go to the hospital because of his like fruit cleanse or whatever. Like, yeah, 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 he collapses. And again, it just shows like Joe is not his like Greg might be Joe's friend, but Joe is not Greg's friend. Yeah,
0: exactly. Uh,
2: But I'm really happy to see that like Greg comes out of this, even though like he's a a B or C (laughs) character. Like, oh yeah! Like, instead of changing for someone, he he finally learns. Yeah, I should, you know, love love not only myself, but for who I am, but love someone that loves me.
0: Well, and also for she's a lesbian. lesbian.
2: Yeah, also she's a lesbian. You want to see character? Look at that audio engineer.
0: Oh
1: boy! At the theater, we see that Emily's distraught, kind of like having some trouble with a play, and Chloe comforts her. And I was very concerned that this would be that she uses Emily's basically separation to hit on her. And fortunately, it didn't go there.
0: Yes, yes, that was very classy. And I am sure that, like... So this was a directorial and screenwriting debut from the director. And I was... I am fairly convinced that this was Cameron Esposito going like, no, I'm not doing that. You'll have to rewrite that. <laughs> but we have one last theater performance. Yes. So Emily does this thing where she has... It's called specific gravity. And so specific gravity, it has to do with buoyancy and like it's used to measure the alcohol content of like beer and and wine. But essentially like there's a point where an object is perfectly buoyant. And that's like, so when you cut a balloon, it just floats there instead of floating up. So she does this thing where like there's balloons and, and one represents her and she's like, okay, I thought without him she cuts the string that i'd float away but the balloon just stays there and it's actually like tied down with black string you don't see it but and, and then you know she does this thing where she's like and then here's joe who is snip forever unchanging and it also floats so she ties the two ends together and it's like this uh, I, I i don't really get what the f- i missed the final like the the punch line. oh it's i don't
1: need him but i want him
0: Okay. It or like, brilliant. I'd
1: like to be with him, but I know that if I don't, I'll be okay.
0: Yeah. And it was it was touching and moving and like, it was good. It was good play.
1: Then they're like, we got a special one. And they bring up Joe because it's this whole stage thing. And he does his like data stuff. It it looks like a TED
0: talk. Yeah. It, it has big TED talk energy, except not one of the cool ones. It is essentially just <laughs> like... I am a big fan of stability. That is why I've been taking the same picture of the same lake for like 20 fucking years. Just to remind me that things stay the same. And that's comforting to me. But people change and I've said before that when people change, their relationships change and have to end. But I don't want that. I am fine with you changing. I will change with you. And like, that's sort of like the thing. Because you only have two minutes in this. So so the entire too much light makes the baby go blind thing is that you do 30 plays in 60 minutes. So you get two minutes per play. Mm -hmm. Uh, So there's not a lot of time. It's basically, I'm sorry, I've deleted the AI, I'm a big fan of stability, and things were starting to change, so I freaked out. I'm done with that. I want you back. Is essentially the upshot. And then they talk after the play, and Emily goes out onto the fire escape with her beer, and Joe sets foot on the fire escape and realizes that it's okay. Roll credits. Right. Very weird place to cut, but kind of artistic and I like it.
1: Jared, I think you had a question you asked me last night that would be very good to start our analysis section. Which question?
0: The one that you wanted to share with me as well.
2: Oh, do you... Th- oh, thank you. Do you guys think... So Joe Joe's kind of overarching character development is like at, at the beginning... Of the 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 play with the movie, excuse me. He is unwilling to change, and like the the first. So I watched this movie twice.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: The first time I thought, oh, he progressively gets worse, but because of some of his actions, like putting that software on Emily's phone, does he actually get worse, or does he is he actually staying this like he's always been the same, and only until the third act does he like change. Does that make sense is that a does that make sense? yeah I believe
1: you stated it to me as do you think Joe gets better at the end of the movie
2: Oh uh, well yeah well, I think he does he he at least acknowledges that like oh i I need to change finally because at the beginning of the movie he would compl- he would be unwilling to but my my question is
0: did he get worse through the movie or was he always that way? hmm, I think the way he always was kind of made his reaction to this this changing you know dynamic situation way worse but i don't Mm -hmm. think he got worse necessarily i don't think he's i think he's always been the same person but like this situation brought out the worst in everyone i'd agree with that
2: the first time i watched it, i was like oh he's he's spiraling because of his his like panic attacks and like all the pressure he's under but then the second time i was like he's not spiraling necessarily like like you said Sophia he's it's just that this all this pressure is highlighting his actual character yeah Yeah. any other questions Sophia did you want to talk about the neo-futurists
0: Kyle I would like you to please go first because I have a couple of things and it's going to take me a minute to get through
1: fair enough this movie is very much about like what role technology plays in our lives whatever here's what Mm -hmm. I I don't think the movie intended to say this but i gleaned technology can be insanely useful he was able to use an ai voice assistant to bring down his panic attacks and that meant he didn't have to rely on one single person and like that's a good thing now in this case he took it too far and prioritized it over actual human connection that's the actual issue mm-hmm. but like technology exists to make our lives better
0: yeah Mm-hmm.
2: That is an interesting thought because more and more they're they're introducing AI and other you know mm-hmm. automated features in in the healthcare sector.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep.
2: So yeah, the other thing
1: is along that line of human connection. Joe saw a lot of the world as technology that can be used, and people expect technology to work perfectly all the time. As someone who worked in IT, and I know. Generally, well, yes, unrealistic, but people expect it to work perfectly all the time, and they get very upset at even the slightest hiccup. Yeah. Joe saw his relationship like that, as just he set it in motion when they got married or whatever starting point, and then he just expected it to roll along seamlessly without any input from him, any work on his behalf, and that is a big reason why it didn't, work out in the middle but that is also the thing he recognizes at the end is that he needs to actually put in work and it's more about change than like work it's very specific Mm -hmm. but still he's like oh no i have to like contribute
0: okay 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 i have things to talk about but before i get to the neo-futurists i would like to talk about the concept of change as this frightening force that is to be resisted which is kind of how joe kind of sees the world different pathologies as i've said but like i view it as quite the opposite so to give you an example i want to very briefly do an impromptu performance of a short story by margaret atwood called happy endings we do not stand, margaret atwood but this is a powerful piece that i i kind of i want to so when i was in college i wrote about this short story because i saw in it that the the main character or, or the the interesting characters is about two people john and mary but they don't matter they're not the focus of the story the focus of the story is the narrator so here we go john and mary meet what happens next if you want a happy ending try a a, John and Mary fall in love and get married. They both have worthwhile and remunerative jobs in which they find stimulating and challenging. They buy a charming house. Real estate values go up. Eventually, they can afford live-in help. They have two children to whom they are devoted. The children turn out well. John and Mary have a stimulating and challenging sex life and worthwhile friends. They go on fun vacations together. They retire. They both have hobbies which will, they will find stimulating and challenging. Oh, uh, eventually, they die. That's the end of their story. B. Mary falls in love with John, but John doesn't fall in love with Mary. He merely uses her body for selfish pleasure and ego gratification of a tepid kind. He comes to her apartment twice a week and she cooks him dinner. You'll notice that he doesn't even consider her worth the price of dinner out. And after he's eaten dinner, he fucks her. And after that, he falls asleep while she does the dishes so he doesn't think she's untidy. Having all those dirty dishes lying around and, you know, puts on fresh lipstick so she'll look good when he wakes up. but. When he wakes up, he doesn't even notice. He puts on his socks and his shorts and his pants and his shirt and his tie and his shoes in a reverse order from the one in which he took them off. She doesn't take off Mary's clothes, she takes them off herself. She acts as if she's dying for it every time. Not because she likes sex exactly, she doesn't, but she wants John to think she does because if they do it often enough, surely he'll get used to her. He'll come to depend on her and they'll get married, but John, goes out the door with hardly so much as good night and three days later he turns up at six o'clock and they do the whole thing over again. Mary gets run down. Crying is bad for your face everyone knows that and so does Mary but she can't stop. People at work notice. She, her friends tell her that John is a rat, a pig, a dog. He isn't good enough for her but she can't believe it. Inside John she thinks is another John who is much nicer. This other John will emerge like a butterfly from a cocoon a jack from a box, a pit from a prune, if the first John is only squeezed enough. One evening, John complains about the food. He's never complained about the food to her before. Mary is hurt. Her friends tell her they've seen him in a restaurant with another woman whose name is Madge. It's not even Madge that finally gets to Mary, it's the restaurant. John has never taken Mary to a restaurant. Mary collects all the sleeping pills and aspirin she can find and takes them in half a bottle of sherry. You can see what kind of woman she is by the fact that it's not even whiskey. She leaves a note for John. She hopes he'll discover her and get her to the hospital in time and repent and they'll get married, but this fails to happen and she does. John marries Madge and everything continues as in A. C. John, who is an older man, falls in love with Mary, and Mary, who is only 22, feels sorry for him because he's worried about his hair falling out. She sleeps with him even though she's not in love with him. She met him at work. She falls in love with somebody called James, who is nearly 22, and not yet ready to settle down. John, on the contrary, settled down long ago. This is what's been bothering him. John has a steady, respectable job and is getting ahead in his field, but Mary isn't impressed. And you know what? I'm going to skip ahead. It goes on like this for a, a couple more stories, a couple more scenarios. If you think all this is too bourgeois, make John a revolutionary and, and marry a counter-espionization. You can see how far that gets you. Remember, this is Canada. You can still end up with A. Though, in between, you may get a lustful brawling saga of passion and involvement, a chronicle of our times. Sort of. You'll have to face it. The endings are the same, however you slice it. Don't be deluded by any other endings. They're all fake. Either deliberately fake, or with malicious intent to deceive, or just motivated by an excess of optimism, and downright sentimentality. The only authentic ending is the one provided here. John and Mary die. John and Mary die. John and Mary die. So much for endings. Beginnings are more fun. True connoisseurs, however, are known to favor the stretch in between, since it's the hardest to do anything with. It's all that can be said for plots, which are, anyway, one thing after another, and what happens, and a what, and a what. Now try the how and the why. Okay, so, scene. <laughs> all of that is to say, thank you, thank you, thank you. All of that is to say that the narrator is unable to look away from all of these scenarios that are nightmares. And unable to look away from these two people that she cares about, she's invested in, but can't Mm -hmm. watch anything other than John and Mary die. And that is what being static is. John and Mary don't see that. They only see the dynamics of their own life. And then in their time, they pass. And that's their story. Change is good. And being static is terrifying. And I don't understand people who want that for their lives. So. To me, I can't I can't relate to Joe at all. So this whole thing really was was difficult for me to kind of get around. So now I want to take a moment to talk about the goddamn neo futurists, <laughs> if I may. So the neo futurists are an actual thing, as I mentioned, and their name comes from the the Italian futurists were a literary and artistic movement in. Post World War One Italy, they were so so essentially. I want to I want to kind of like go over some of the notes that I have here. Yeah, so this movie is actually about futurism. Like I've, I've said before, John and Mary don't matter. I mean, Joe and Italy don't matter. They are they are John and Mary. That's why I went with that one first. I also resent you know that this movie is about futurism because it, it takes a, uh, futurism takes a jab at me personally and. A question for both of you. Could this movie have happened if Joe and Emily were in their 40s? And here's why I say that. Okay. So I I went through and I read the Futurist Manifesto. I want to pull some quotes. So this is why it's kind of an attack on me personally. So here we go from the Futurist Manifesto. It is in Italy that we are issuing this manifesto of ruinous and incendiary violence, by the way, they love violence by which we today are founding futurism because we want to deliver Italy from its gangrene of professors and archeologists and tourist guides and antiquaries. And like, fuck you, man. I am. I I play a kind of a professorial or tourist guide role on this podcast. And I like to think I'm fun and good for the podcast. (laughs) But apparently the alternative
1: is that I'm the good part and that can't be true. Oh, (laughs) and I'm here.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So the reason that I I ask if this could happen to Joe and Emily in their forties is because of one of the last parts of this. So this is where we learn that the futurists are actually dumbasses. The oldest among us are not yet 30 years old. We have therefore at least 10 years to accomplish our tasks When we are 40, let younger and stronger men than we throw us in the wastepaper basket like useless manuscripts. They will come against us from afar, leaping onto the light cadence of their first poems, clutching the air with their predatory fingers and sniffing at the gates of the academies, the good scent of our decaying spirits already promised to the catacombs of the libraries. And again, fuck you? But also like, oh, I get it. You're 24. You're dumbass. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, the, the futurists were, were very much a movement that was kind of like dedicated to speed and violence and, and the glorification of those things above any other kind of expression. And it's not really shocking to see that this gave Italy the kind of vibes based culture and politics that allowed fascism which, you know... They're... Yeah, I was going to say, post-World War I, uh, yeah. Italy? Hmm. Post-World War I, or Did Italy. they also wear black shirts? Uh, well, some of their buddies did. Oh, good. Yeah, so the connection here between the actual Italian fascists and, and the futurists is mm-hmm. a guy named Gabrielle D'Annunzio, who is just wild. There's a behind the bastards about him, and it is wild. I recommend it. <laughs> anyway, so... This movie kind of sees the decay and stagnation in Joe and Emily's lives and seeks to reform it, which it can only do by letting arc and a rejection of logic inspire violence and find meaning in the shards that it leaves behind. They don't actually care about Emily. Indeed, Chloe is quite rude to her often. The neo-futurists kind of like saw this, this stagnation in their lives and felt compelled by their futurist roots to act on it so essentially these are all fascists and i want to close here with a quote from antonio gramsci on this subject the old world is dying and the new world struggles to be born now is the time of monsters that's the tagline of the movie guys <laughs> Woo! okay oh.
1: ratings Hold on. i do have one oh, uh, okay. two general thoughts sure 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 oh sorry i forgot the general thoughts yeah i really like how this and did in it wasn't big grand gesture, we're back together. It's big grand gesture so that I can actually talk to you. <laughs> and we are saying to each other that we want this to be a relationship. And so I will try. I will make effort to make that happen. Yeah. And you don't always see that. So that's neat. The other thing is. Weirdly, I think this movie is a good entry point into what indie cinema can be. Yeah,
0: yeah, I see because
1: that. Because I think indie cinema gets the reputation of, like, a Wes Anderson movie where it's, like, this very quirky, oddball, very particular personality type, or, like, liberal arts where it's, like, very self-aggrandizing and navel-gazy. Yeah. And this isn't that. It's, it's offbeat. Like, you... This is not
0: a big budget Hollywood film by any means, mm-hmm. but it's interest. It's interesting. It's shot well. There are good graphics in the transitions, but it's not high budget.
1: Yeah. So I think if someone's like, "Oh, I'm wanting to like learn more about indie cinema and kind of get a start there," this is a actually weirdly good place.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Jerry, you have any and uh, non-analytical thoughts on the movie?
2: I my my closing thought to this movie is. This is like a Silicon Valley tech pros, like wet dream where like you can be as cold and calculating to your partner as you want. But as long as you make a kick ass PowerPoint presentation, you can win them back in the end.
0: Yeah. I mean, your offense could be drinking the blood of twinks and, you know, you yeah, go yeah. PowerPoint, you can make that go away. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck you, Peter Thiel. <laughs> <laughs> Joe
2: also has a promising career if this whole like AI assistant thing doesn't work out. He has a promising career in like the NSO group yeah. making spyware. So always
1: uh, you're that. not wrong. You're not wrong. OK, now we can get to ratings.
0: Ratings. Jarrett, you are our guest on a scale of one to ten, ten being the best, one being the worst. Where would you put this movie?
2: I would I'd like a, a solid six and a half out of ten.
0: OK. Okay, Kyle.
2: Or like, no.
0: I will be okay. strong in your conviction. Go for it. Go for
2: it. <laughs> oh, or like three and a half sentient Roombas out of five.
0: Okay, fair enough. What does that mean? I don't. I I love it. I don't care what it means. Yeah, Sophia. So I would say I agree with that. I I would say probably I'll round up. I'll go. I'll go a seven. Like it wasn't the best movie. It had some issues, but and it's not about the characters it purports to be about. But yeah, it's a good movie. I was gonna say seven as well sweet it's not not often we get uh we get agreements all right so obscurity on a scale one being a best picture nominee and then ten being a literal student film on obscurity where would you put this hmm.
2: it definitely doesn't feel like it feels bigger than like it actually like the the budget like the 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 camera work it it feels bigger mm-hmm. uh, i would say like Uh, like a a six or a seven honestly like it you know it's not well
0: known but i was gonna go with uh uh, you know five it's it's shot like a movie that that was meant to be shown in theaters i mean it's a little high concept Mm -hmm. for for you know the standard theater crowd but like yeah I, i don't remember hearing anything about it i never heard of it before this but like the concept's familiar and like i don't know five kyle
1: i was gonna say seven seven on both okay Cause it's, it's just like this one did not get publicity, but it does have some like B list actors. So it's, it's not like so far gone, but it's also not like ever highlighted really.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: It's not like, sorry to bother you, where you're watching leftist YouTube. And
2: they're like, you gotta, (laughs) you gotta watch this movie. (laughs) I think there was some confusion for like the general audience when this movie came out, because a year prior, a movie by the same name, Operator, oh, came fuck, out.
0: That's right,
2: and it was a <laughs> Kyle. You you put it. Uh, it was uh, you you said it earlier. Propaganda. Uh,
0: mm-hmm. Oh, uh,
2: it was a it's a propaganda knockoff of uh, Liam Neeson's Taken. Mm-hmm. So I think I think the audiences was like, ah, eh, we don't need to see that. But <laughs> it was entirely a different movie.
0: So yeah. I also want to I also want to put this into the universe. So. On the IMDb page, there are a list of recommended movies related to the movie you're looking up. So obviously on there, I got Operator, and I also got Uh something called Welcome to Me with Kristen Wiig. But I also got two movies, and I have to read you these titles because they're amazing. Good Dick, (laughs) which is described at... Oh my God. The tagline is, come and get it this fall. Oh, my God. Joyful, romantic, and genuinely sexy. <laughs>
2: genuinely sexy.
0: And then the other one, having already prepped you for this, is her smell. <laughs> oh, God. IMDB, what the hell? Oh, no, baby. What is you doing? <laughs> All right. So, Yes.
1: As we wrap up our episode, we end with a pop culture pop-out, something we've been interested in as of late, and we just want to talk about
2: it for a little bit.
1: Garrett, mm-hmm. would you like to start?
2: Sure. We got in this pre-podcast, but my uh, pop-out is a YouTuber that goes by Hazel. She makes video essays on uh, kind of niche video game and or anime or Japanese like subcultures. Also, she does music she does primarily vocaloid and noise pop if you know what that is i would highly highly recommend both if you like like c-rank cryptids sightings in video games and or like a ranking of straight to vhs anime you'll you'll love her
0: content i swear so i know a i know a hazel who is fairly well known and like the more you keep talking about her the more i'm like this sounds an awful lot like my hazel do you know her or do no. you know
2: of? Okay. Yeah, was, well, um, no, so I don't, I'll send you the link.
0: I, yeah, I don't know this Hazel, oh. but I, I, I know Okay. The, yeah, this, this continues mm-hmm. to, like, they obviously have a lot in common. Okay. These okay. Hazels should meet. <laughs> Kyle, what do you got for us?
1: My pop culture pop out this week is a podcast called Feeling Seen. It is a new podcast on the Maximum Fun Podcast Network where the host, I don't remember her name, brings on a guest each episode to talk about a movie that features a character where they felt seen for the first time in movies. So the first episode, someone talks about the main character of Midsommar.
0: okay.
1: And then the second one was about the movie Dope, which I have not seen or know anything about. But it's like, oh,
0: this is a this is a neat approach to talking about movies. Okay, very cool. And so my pop culture pop out is also a podcast called ancient history fangirl and this is a really neat podcast where the two hosts go in depth on an ancient history phenomenon so most recently they did an episode about why aphrodite the greek goddess of love might actually be transgender like canonically like there's some there's some Hmm. gender there's some gender shenanigans happening with that goddess so uh give them a listen
1: very cool where can people find you online, Sophia?
0: I have a link tree, but the big hits are, you can find me on Twitter at Hamilcarrenina, H-A-M-I-L-C-A-R-E-N-I-N-A. That is both a history and a literature joke. I am on Quora. I do a media analysis project called Queering House there. I am on Medium. I, I kind of mirror my Queering House project there. Uh, I also have the Fifth Columnist, which is my rogue political opinions, not affiliated with my employer in any way. Don't find me on Facebook. Jared, where can people
2: find you? Please, please don't. I, I've spent a long, long time trying to wipe my like digital footprint. Mm, mm,
0: mm, <laughs> as well you should.
2: Yeah. And yet. As you're well we all should. And yet I'm here.
0: Kyle, where can people find you?
2: I am on Twitter at
1: Kyle the Giggles. I am on Tumblr and Letterboxd under Hebrew Hammer. If you would like, there is a link at the bottom of our show notes where you can leave a voice message so that you can be in an upcoming episode either talking about it or having your own pop culture pop out. But in order to talk about the movie, Sophia, what are we doing next time?
0: Next time we are doing The Sleepover. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening. If you enjoyed this, subscribe, rate and review on iTunes, tell a friend, hire a skywriter. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Find me on Facebook. Build an AI. <laughs> Build an AI. <laughs> Build an AI. Yeah, Build an yeah, AI. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll see you next time and for those who for those who celebrate Hanukkah sameach.
1: Hanukkah sameach indeed. Goodbye. Bye.